Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to another episode of Soul Talk, the Soul Talk podcast. My intention, as always, is to inspire you to live your authentic self, to release and unleash the power of your soul so that you can fulfill your soul's destiny. And, uh, you know, each episode, as you know, just builds on the next. We've had some truly inspiring and uh, epic episodes over the last weeks. Always uh, appreciate hearing from you. Love, I really love uh, hearing about how you're implementing and ultimately applying uh, the information because without the application, it's just information. So today's episode, folks, is going to be special. I can tell you that right now. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, introduce you to someone really special. Uh, I consider him a soul brother. Uh, him and I were connected years back. We felt a, a connection and a kinship. Never actually met in person, but it felt like our souls were definitely in sync. Had the opportunity to speak at his uh, big event in Phoenix, Arizona, a few months back, and we got to meet in person. And uh, you know, sometimes you meet, you you hear about people and and then you meet them and it's like, well, they don't quite live up to uh, what you've heard. And uh, when I met him, it was, uh, we fell in love again, a reconnection. And uh, I think he's even more, uh, he just, you know, bottom line folks, the man I'm about to introduce you to is, is I think uh, and feel a soul brother, the real deal, uh, a visionary. Uh, I think today's episode will just ignite your soul. So open your hearts, uh, get ready to have your spirit elevated. He wrote an amazing book called The Soul Signature, uh, and his new book, You Are Enough, You Are Enough, is uh, being released as we speak right now. So uh, even before we you know, uh, dive into the episode, I want to invite you to make sure you go to Amazon and your local bookstores, get his book, and get ready to dive in. Welcome to Soul Talk, my dear soul brother, Panash Desai. Panash, welcome. Uh, Great to be with you, Kurt. I always love my time with you, and it's wonderful connecting with this global audience. Awesome, awesome. Listen, uh, you know, obviously I know a little bit about your, your history, and I think we have a lot of similarities. You know, you were born raised in London. I was raised in London, and you know, we have the, the India connection, the, the spirituality connection from a very young age. Um, there's, there's so much I want to sort of delve into and dive into, and I'm excited about your, your new book. And and so, uh, you know, for those that may not know about your, your background and a bit about your history, I just want to set a context so that when we dive in, uh, uh, we, we can just meet pretty quickly. So, you know, for those listening in, you know, share a bit about your journey. Share a little bit about how you got started. I mean, I know uh, from a very young age, you were steeped in spirituality. And I think that's one of the things that uh, when I met you, I could really feel it wasn't just something, you know, it wasn't like you just read a book. Uh, a year ago, a couple of years, and now you're teaching. There was a, 
there was a there was a beingness and a depth and a restedness to, and a groundedness to you in terms of uh, what I felt in the vibration. And so, uh, tell us a bit about the beginning of Panache and the spiritual journey and 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 that evolution. So you and I have a. a a lot of similarities in our origin story just yeah. set in different places and and uh in, in a different context but but this essence of there's something more there's something greater was drummed into us from a very early age you know in your case it was your father mm. and in my case it was my grandmother and i was mm. raised by her for the first five years of my life and i grew up in a, a meditation room literally uh in the house it was my favorite room uh and uh, she would chant and she would pray and she would recite mantras and my subconscious was just absorbing Sanskrit, uh, was just imbued in the mm. smell of incense, was deeply kind of steeped and marinating in the pulsation of these sacred syllables and this devotional environment. And so for me, um, that environment became home base. And of course, anything that you are exposed to in the early kind of formative years of your life become an integral part of your destiny. And so, you know, uh, again, where there's a similarity with us is that uh, at some point um, I became kind of overwhelmed by a lot of these gifts and visiting gurus and saints and sages had, had kind of seen me and had kind of thanked me for incarnating, which I just thought was weird. And I was deeply empathic and I could feel things in people. I could almost... Uh, become them there was no separation between myself and the other and while i was younger um i'd already begun to have certain experiences that i couldn't explain and that were scary actually as a child and once i got older uh i did of course what we all do which is rebel against uh the very thing that uh we were born into and once that kind of rebellion or rejection of the calling had kind of reached a finality by the age of 21 I sat down with my mother and I just said, Mom, you know, I'm living a lie. And I, I'm doing a degree that I don't want to do. I'm doing it because of my grandfather. I want to study philosophy, but my uh, grandfather had kind of talked me into studying law and business studies. And, uh, you know, he was right in, in, in his vision, but it wasn't aligned with my heart. And I was in music at that time. I had kind of pivoted away from connection through spirituality, through connection to in a thriving kind of underground music scene in London. And I had gotten to a place where I just realized that none of this was really me. And I had to get back mm. to that feeling that I had in that meditation room when I was a child. And so I sat down with my mom and said, Mom, you know what? I need to go away and live like a monk for six months. And mm. thankfully, my mother had been expecting this conversation, but not at the age of 21. Mm. Um, I, I, I was thinking at some point that she was going to probably hear this at 40 or 50. But uh, but at 21, I, I, I just reached this point where I just knew that there was more. I was scratching the surface of my potential and that this life that I was in wasn't really where I was meant to be. And um, she said, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to India or would you like to go to America? And I said, well, I'd, I'd love to go to America. And as mm. destiny would have it all worked out for me, I had my green card and I had to figure out if I wanted to move to the US or if I wanted to surrender it. And so mm. I said, all right, let me go to America. And I went to an ashram, which is a residential retreat center. And it was connected to this lineage of siddhas or saints. So in India, we have this culture of uh, self-actualized masters uh, that have yes. the ability to awaken dormant spiritual potential and energy inside of people through their presence, through their will, mm -hmm. through their intention, through their blessing. And I'm the product of about four generations of that interaction. 
And for me, mm. I wanted to go to America because the teacher that had blessed me in the womb had spent a lot of time there. And I really wanted to connect with mm. his energy and be um, be around this kind of legacy that he had left behind. And so mm. I went there and, um, of course, immediately felt at home. And but was a lousy like yogi, bro. Like, I, I would uh, wake up at 3 a.m. And, and go to the meditation room and I'd be snoring uh, in the meditation room and just laying down like uh, doing a fake shavasana, just out cold. And, and, I, and then I was doing selfless service and I wasn't very good at selfless service. And, you know, it, it, was, just, it was just interesting because I was going through such a deep catharsis in being there, um, in being mm. back in this environment of being home that... The selfless service was the excuse through which I was working out whatever I had to inside of myself to come back into alignment with who I always was. And mm. and that selfless service would vary from chopping vegetables to cooking meals to welcoming people to, you know, moving furniture around to greeting people to whatever mm. it was on a given day. And mm. that period of six months was a huge reset for me. Uh, and, I, and I'm very grateful that in spite of my uh, awful um, rendition of being a yogi, I was allowed to stay and uh, was able to be in that environment of grace and to reconnect to my mm. to my roots that are now the foundation, mm. really, of everything that I share and everything that I'm expressing today in the world. Mm. Beautiful. Was, what, what was, was there a moment where you felt a connection going from, like, you know, being a lousy yogi to something maybe where you felt something shifted? Was there, was, there, was there an experience? Was there a moment? Was there something that occurred? Was there something that, you know, broke open inside of you? What was that moment? Or was there a moment? I feel like um, that moment for me was um, at one point in my time there, I actually for most of my time there, I would go up to a room on the mm. second floor of the actual ashram building itself and uh, they had uh, Swami Muktananda's chair and uh, sandals and and all of the things that kind of he had in that room and nobody would ever go there. And that's who blessed mm. me in the womb before I was born in Ganeshpuri, India. Mm. And uh, oh, and yeah. so I would go and sit there and uh, just spend time. And it was the reestablishing of that connection for me mm. that was the pivotal point mm. because because I had been born into a lineage of Shaktipat gurus who, who, you know, who literally through their touch could awaken the Kundalini and facilitate self-realization and, and self-actualization as the end result of it. And of course, I didn't have that framework in my family. Uh, that's the grace that had touched my life. So then that became my destiny. Uh, so mm. in that, coming back to that space, in that moment, everything started to shift and all of this emotional baggage that I'd accumulated, all of these kind of limiting factors that I'd accumulated throughout the course of living this inauthentic expression where we try to fit in and try to belong, just yeah. began to fall away and be lifted off of me, you know, and really for me, that was, there was that, these encounters with this presence because people don't realize that the guru isn't uh, a local phenomenon. Uh, the guru is non-local. So people assign the the meaning to guru as a person, but it isn't. It's a consciousness, and it's a consciousness that spans all the way through time. And there's a lineage, and it's an unbroken lineage. And really what we're connecting with is that non-local phenomenon of grace 
that we all have access to regardless of our tradition because thankfully humanity has had so many messengers and so many incredible beings throughout time so that the message the core message has never really changed and and the connection to grace has never really fallen away and so in that interaction me coming back to realizing that i was enough and no longer needing to prove anything or be anything or become someone was the liberating factor for me mm. powerful it's interesting i never, actually never knew you had that connection with uh, Muktananda, my friend. Uh, when I was uh, 18, 19, uh, I felt a strong connection within myself. And I remember I was having, there was a period of time when I was meditating a lot. I was uh, having a lot of dreams. And one of those dreams, uh, literally, he, I'm walking on the street. Muktananda walks up to me on the street, picks me up by my head, and just dunks me on the floor. And my entire yeah. body, you know, had this sort of Shakti Bhat, you know, experience, woke up literally electrocuted and uh, things were pretty different from that moment. So beautiful. Now for someone who's listening and they're thinking, well, Panaj, I, I don't have a guru. Uh, I don't even believe in the guru thing. And, you know, uh, I've never been to an ashram. Uh, it's great for you that you had this exp powerful experience where you know, energy was awakened and, you know, you experienced the reality of your consciousness, the truth of who you are. But you know, I'm just, I'm just a normal person. I'm living in just life. I've got kids and a life and just, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure life out. So where would that person start in terms of, you know, reconnecting with themselves? And maybe they're feeling a little unfulfilled in life or you know, there's got to be more. Where, where would they start without, let's say, a guru or an ashram or even some kind of spiritual guide in life or practice? How would they begin? Well, what's beautiful is that um, when we look at the word guru, it's from darkness to light. Mm. And as we apply that into life and living, what does that mean? Well, that means that we're becoming conscious. And our purpose, regardless of the spiritual path that we're on or lack thereof, is to become conscious, is to become more aware mm -hmm. so that we can then demonstrate the qualities of empathy, compassion, collaboration, kindness, and all of these qualities that are naturally embedded inside of us. And so the place to begin is to recognize that life is your teacher. And for me, yes. even though I'd had this connection to these saints and sages, Muktananda actually left his body in 1982. I was born in 78. So I never actually mm. got to spend time with him physically. And so mm. the, the greatest gift for me was not having a physical teacher <laughs> because I mm. learned that I could connect inside of myself. And, and this is true for every single person, regardless of your belief, regardless of your religious background, regardless of the, of the ideology. You have that connection inside of yourself. That's the first thing. So you are the mm. guru. That's the first thing. The second thing is that life is our teacher. And so what we have to do is pay attention. So one of the books that I love a lot is The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. And basically the reason why I love that book is because it outlines synchronicity and it outlines the perfection of our journey and our destiny. And if we're awake and aware and paying attention, life will speak to us. You know, divinity will interact with us where we are through the most unlikeliest of people. We just have to cultivate the ability to listen. Because when we cultivate the ability to listen, we realize that everybody's our guru, that everyone has the capacity to contribute to us, that everybody has the capacity to, in some way, empower us or to uplift us. 
And we just have to cultivate that curiosity and that ability to be receptive of that. And so where you are right now, just know that you're surrounded by truth, by wisdom, by beauty, by grace, and that all that's required on your part is a willingness to listen, to be present, to simply just be available for the experience that you're having. And in the context of evolution, for example, um, what we have to realize more than anything is that life, as it's playing out outside of us, is nothing more than the physical manifestation of our own internal state of being. So how we become conscious is by becoming responsible for the projection and the reflection. We have to become Mm. responsible for for the qualities that we're projecting onto people that we love, that we, that we are in harmony with, that we are aligned with, that we don't have a problem owning, but we also then have to mm. be responsible for that which is being reflected back to us, those qualities that maybe we have an aversion to or that we don't want to uh, own as a part of our experience. But ultimately, this notion of guru, darkness to light, is cultivating the ability where you are to look in the mirror and to recognize that what you're seeing is you. What you're experiencing Mm -hmm. is who you are. And the more we can begin to interact with the world in this way, the more we no longer need an external authority, the more we Mm -hmm. uh, break free of codependency, the more we evolve out of uh, of, uh, victimhood, and the more we begin to excel. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you're paying attention and there's nothing that life and existence in the universe and creation loves more than a, than a, than a human being who's willing to receive their magnificence and allow, uh, allow for its emergence. And so that's what I would say to you. Literally, this isn't about a form or a person. This is yes. about yes. life. And it's about the energy of mm-hmm. life and nature and remembering that you're a part of nature and that everything wants mm. to contribute to you and everything actually is, regardless of mm. how you feel about yourself. So how about we start mm. to uncover what's in the way of you really aligning with all of that mm. by using your life, by using every moment, by using every single person, by using every interaction as an opportunity to fully awaken and, and fully allow for the emergence of who you are as the authentic contribution that you were created to be. What things have you seen over the last, you know, years of facilitating and teaching and working with people? What things have you seen tend to maybe any patterns that tend to get in the way of people's, you know, recognition of who they are? Are there any themes? Are there any consistent things that you you, 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 you observe? Yeah, the one thing that I've noticed more than anything is that um, regardless of what level somebody's operating at in life, uh, there's an underlying feeling or virus that's undermining them. And it's this underlying mm-hmm. feeling or virus that they're not good enough in who they are. And so, for example, if I'm mentoring somebody who who's very successful at, at, in business or an athlete or a celebrity or a peak performer, somebody who's uh, excelling at a, a chosen profession, somewhere mm-hmm. in there, the, there's some pain and and yes. along with that pain is the belief that they're unlovable that they're not good enough that they're unworthy now these are things that they would never articulate out loud or people looking at them would never know about them but in working mm-hmm. with them we have to uncover these things because what, what we what i've realized is that it, it's it's one thing to be successful it's one thing to make a difference it's one thing to get to a certain point but if we don't address 
this kind of virus that's undermining us from the inside out, we can't excel. We can't ever truly enjoy it. So there are, there are two main ways in which creation is happening. It's either happening consciously or unconsciously. And what I love focusing on is the unconscious aspect of creation because that's yes. creation that's happening from a place of pain. So you can go and build mm -hmm. a billion-dollar company because you were rejected in high school just to prove that you're mm -hmm. lovable, right? But the only mm -hmm. problem is that once you get to that market value, because you yeah. haven't addressed underlying wounding inside of you, you're going to sabotage, mm -hmm. you're going to undermine, you're going to basically implode mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And we've seen it over mm -hmm. and over again. So you are only ever as effective as the degree to which you've taken the time to know yourself, to embrace yourself, and ultimately love yourself, and disengage from this virus that we all have. For some reason, there, there's a, a deeply embedded belief in the Western psyche of not enough, of not good enough. And, and, and that wounding as much as it's been the source of innovation, as much as it's been the source of creativity, as much as it's been the source yes. of advancement, it's also been the source of every story that we read about, that we come into contact with through an autobiography, that we come into contact with a movie where literally somebody implodes or self-destructs because they're unable to sustain that authentically. And so mm. the main obstacle to being all that you are is this notion or feeling that you're not enough. Yeah, yeah, so so true. How does one truly, you know, because sometimes people say, okay, I'm not enough, deep down, intellectually, I know I am, so like folks will do affirmations or they'll journal, like I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, you know, go to a motivational seminar, right, pump themselves right. up, I'm enough, and they'll scream it, and they'll, but deep down, this, you know, like, still not, don't really feel it, like that know right. that they, they don't, it's not embodied. So how would someone, let's say, maybe they intellectually understand, okay, I, I am enough, but they don't feel enough. How, how do they, I guess, heal that wounding that you're talking about? Because I think it's, it's really right on, you know? How do they so, heal that wounding so it's not driving them? Right. So as I said earlier, uh, we've got this little black box inside of us, the subconscious mind that's literally absorbing everything. Mm. And uh, in India, mm. uh, they call these imprints samskaras. So there are uh, yes. samskaras that are positive, that are, you know, uh, life affirming. And there are samskaras that are, are negative, that undermine you. And mm. literally what what we do is address the samskaras or the imprints that are undermining you. Now, here's why this is important. Your, your average human being, well, human beings in general, actually, uh, only remember heightened emotion. Uh, they don't remember mm -hmm. your average day, right? And here's what happens. When, let's say, for example, um, you're a child and you were just left alone and nobody nurtured you, nobody cared for you, nobody showed any affection toward you, uh, and you grew up in this kind of perpetual state of survival uh, and feeling like you're yeah. a mistake, um, that becomes a pattern, that becomes the source of an unconscious pattern that runs all the way through your life. And so I've been blessed in being able to offer people a real solution because I realized that transformation can't happen at the level of the mind. It has to happen at the level of emotion and that we have to address whatever's unresolved at the emotional level in order to transform at the mental level and then the physical level. And that's because 
all of these different aspects of us are just different uh, rates of vibration and frequency. So, for example, mm. the body is the densest. Why? Because we have the illusion of form. We're vibrating particles and molecules, but we appear to be solid because the physical body at that level, it's a slower rate of vibration. Then there's the mind. Then there's the emotions. Right? And then underneath that is the soul, the authentic self. And so, for me, it's always about how do we liberate the authentic self and what's keeping the authentic self from being expressed emotionally, mentally, physically, and then in reality. And it's always a wounding on the emotional level. So that's the first thing, or a samskara. And so I have been actively working on helping people change their energy in order to change their life. And the emotions are nothing more than just energy and motion. So when we address a samskara, when we address an imprint, and we address... Uh, some form of limitation at that level, it disappears. And then the memory disappears. It doesn't have the same hold on us. And then the magic of it is we're not in survival anymore because there's nothing to protect or defend. So the parts mm. of us that are not that, that are left uh, in this um, state of being where there's dissonance, where they're not integrated, we then yeah. have to create this identity and this persona to protect and defend. And that's why we have mm -hmm. an ego. So once we remove the wounding, once we remove the samskara, bring it into resolution, typically by bringing it into awareness, at that point, the emotion moves through us. That then helps somebody go through a huge shift in their state of being, not just emotionally, but mentally, as well as physiologically, as well as then in their reality. And it's at that point that transformation has happened. Transformation has not happened until that that whole process has gone through to completion. And then once there's an evidence in their physical reality, which means that they're able to receive or they're open to being loved or they're open to um, being healthy or, or being abundant or whatever that shift is in their life experience, that's when you know that resolution has happened. Until then, no matter how much you try and will your way through it or mentally you know, affirm your way through it, you're not able to transform it because with the gasoline is in the emotion, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and, and that's where we have to cut off the fuel supply. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us a bit about the, the, the emotional aspects. I think it's so true. I think many times we are also, you know, we've learned from childhood to like suppress the emotion to protect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's survival, right? And so, that emotion gets stuck in our body. It, it, it kind of covers up our true essence and the soul from freely expressing. So how, let's say someone is, maybe they're acknowledging, I think we're often afraid to maybe acknowledge the negative emotion or the painful emotion because maybe we're, we're afraid that we won't be able to deal with it. We're afraid we're going to just die or collapse. And so how can we cultivate right relationship? What is a way to process or move through the, 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 the negative emotion also in a healthy way, but also without getting lost to it. You know, how, how can you guide someone listening in terms of the relationship to negative emotion? Because it, it, it has to be dealt with at some point. That wound does have to be dealt with. So um, share a bit about that process of dealing with negative emotions. So the first way to address it is to understand that who you are is pure awareness, pure being and pure potential. And that mm. the mind and the body and the emotions are activities inside of that field of awareness. 
And that's important mm. because what you need to what you need to know in that is that you are not the emotion. You are not the thought, yes. you are not the physical body, okay? You are the awareness, you are this amazing being that is having the experience of the emotion, having the experience of the mm. thought, or having the experience of the physical manifestation of whatever's going on. Okay, and that's important to know. Then, once we've gotten that clarity that we're not the emotion and we're not the thought and we're not the physicality, at that point we understand, okay, great. Mm -hmm. So who am I then? So then who I am is the one who's observing and experiencing. Well, if I'm the one who's observing and experiencing, then where did all of these criteria come from around emotion? Well, your, your mm -hmm. perception has been programmed from the moment you were born. Your parents, mm -hmm. when you cried, didn't welcome the tears, so then they would do something to change your behavior, or uh, they didn't like the upset or the anger or whatever it was that you were displaying. Why? Because they were conditioned to reject these aspects of themselves. And then the school system does it. Why? Because the school system was created to um, reinforce the production of docile and compliant uh, members of the workforce. So, there's, so, so in school, there's no room for emotion. Right at work, the, in society at large, uh, certain emotions are acceptable because they don't get in the way of productivity, and there are other emotions that are frowned upon and rejected. And so we have incarnated into this construct around emotion that's false and that is a lie. And we have to get to the truth. The truth is that it's just an experience that we're having. It's just an experience that we're having, that, that it's okay mm. to be sad, that being sad doesn't mean anything about you. You know, it's okay to be angry. We just have to feel it inside of us and welcome the feeling inside of us. And when we can welcome the feeling inside of us, it begins and ends there. We don't have to act it out on somebody else. And so it's about experiencing human emotion consciously by being aware of the emotion. And at that point, the fear around the emotion itself goes away. Because then you begin to realize, well, wait a minute, I don't have to demonize my anger. When I'm angry, all I have to do is recognize that I've been triggered, become aware of my breath, relax my body, and allow that powerful energy to move through me, and it's okay. If I can relax and put it in neutral, and, and, and let that energy move through me, there's a beginning and an end to the experience. And, 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 and that's true for sadness, it's true for fear, it's true for everything. So the reason why we struggle on an emotional level is because we have been literally brainwashed to believe that we shouldn't be feeling certain okay. things, that certain things are not okay. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, we've never had it modeled to us as to how to handle an emotion consciously. Right? Yeah. We've only ever yeah. seen people losing it and flying off the handle. Mm -hmm. Right? So So again, it's like, there's this stigma around it. So where you are right now, just understand that there is no part of you that's wrong, that every aspect of you is yours to embrace, is yours to accept, is yours to be with. And that which you won't accept and embrace inside of you has to play out outside of you. All of a sudden, if you have an unwillingness to, to mm. consciously experience your anger, then you'll experience somebody who's angry as a partner in your life. If, you, mm. if you're unwilling to experience sadness, then you'll ex you're, you're all of a sudden somebody in your life will have to model that out so that you can look in the mirror and accept what you see. So that which we're unwilling to own inside of us then has to play out outside of us. Mm. And this is where, so this is how we become free. This is how we break free of the matrix. It's how we break free of the illusion. Mm -hmm. 
by becoming 100% accountable and responsible for every feeling, for every experience, for every interaction, because it's all who we are. We're the source of it all, everything. It's all a source of our, uh, the product of our state of being. Beautiful. 100% accountability, responsibility. It's where the freedom is. And also cultivating the ability to relax in the presence of the emotion. You know, most people mm. in the presence of heightened emotion because they've been, their perception has mm. been programmed to believe in some way that it's wrong or it's bad or it shouldn't be happening. You know, they, they immediately go into this place of contraction around it, right? But that doesn't allow for the flow of the emotion. It doesn't allow for the emotion to move out of you. So what we want is to cultivate the ability to relax in the presence of the emotion and to welcome it, to welcome this part of you. You know, to, to reclaim it almost and to befriend it because the more we're at peace with it, the more it just moves through us. No. Love it. Yeah, what I'm really hearing is also a beautiful acceptance of it all, you know, rather than yeah. resisting it as it's arising, you know. And, uh, right. It's beautiful. What about, uh, you know, I often, I often hear people struggle with this and I think maybe some folks listening in might be kind of working with this in terms of, Emotion arises, how to know, you know, how to cultivate the discernment to know the difference between, let's say, my intuition, like I got this feeling, Panache, it's my, it's my intuition versus, you know, something that feels true, but it's just literally a conditioned response because many times we feel something is a certain thing or we feel someone is the one or we feel a certain thing, but, you know, it's coming from pain or intuition and, and it's coming from pain or conditioning but we kind of hoodwinked into thinking it's our intuition, but it's not. So how to discern like the truth about what we feel in a given moment so that we can sharpen uh, our, our intuitive capacity. You know, I, uh, first of all, I love the question and um, I, I love the question for lots of different reasons. Uh, the, the first reason is that, um, the story that you shared actually about your mother and your father and about how they yeah. met and how they connected. Mm. And, you know, I, I love that story because so often in life we're second-guessing our destiny and exactly. second-guessing what's available mm. to us or our potential. All the while missing the point that on some mm -hmm. level all of this has already happened and we're just experiencing it as if for the first time. <laughs> That's why it's called Maya, mm. uh, called the illusion. And and so there are different ways to, to answer that question. The, the first way to answer that question is to point you directly to the truth, the absolute truth. And the absolute truth is that you are living a predetermined, predestined experience. And that everything that is arising as a part of that is necessary for your evolution, for the expansion of your consciousness, and for you to allow for the emergence of your of your essence into this world okay so that at the highest level there's that yeah uh, if you if you're not quite there yet meaning that you haven't gotten to that level of trust and surrender you will it's everybody's eventual destiny uh, there will come a point in your journey where you will realize that there is a perfection that's unfolding and that everything that you deem to be uh, imperfect is actually also a part of that perfection so then wisdom is relaxing into that, whatever it is, right? Um, mm. Secondly, on a on a on a more kind of relative level, uh, intuition comes with no charge. 
that mm, there's no yeah. uh, emotion around it because because it's a product of being. So actually, mm. love isn't what we've been conditioned to believe it is. You know, love, I know you love mm. uh, talking about relationships and guide people through uh, the experience of opening to love and have led workshops on that. And to love really means to be with. If you're, if you're able to be with yourself, then you're able to be with another. When you're being with somebody, you're loving them. It's this romantic notion of love that we have is, I believe, the issue. Because people think it's all this passion and all this stuff. And that's, that's there too, right? But that is secondary. The ability to be with another in the midst of their humanity is primary. And so intuition for me always comes in the form of clarity. It comes in the form of peace. But what's funny, brother, is that now I've so let go of needing to figure it out or understand or know because I've just realized that that's impossible. I never will. Uh, that whereas before I used to look for guidance or look for intuition or look for validation that I'm heading in the right direction, I've just embraced the fact that I can never, ha- never head in the wrong direction. Uh, and it's become a lot, e- it's become a lot easier. I, I, uh, I have more time. You know, like uh, just this weekend, uh, I, I built a, a Yoda Lego uh, who's sitting on my desk. He's uh, about 16 inches tall and has a lightsaber, and he's awesome. And 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 it, was, and it was an exercise in being present with what I was doing, as opposed to worrying about, you know, what do I do in the business and what do I do in my relationship and wow. you know, when what do I do wow. with my children? And so, when we actually just let go. And we realize that we're flowing down this river. We're flowing down this timeline. And everything that happens as part of that timeline, regardless of how we perceive it, is a blessing for us to unfold into who we are. And we just kick back Mm. and just kind of chill out. That's when it starts to get really good. Because that's when we realize that it's not about becoming enlightened. It's about living fully engaged and immersed in life. I love that. It's not about becoming enlightened. It's about living fully engaged, immersed in life itself. Yeah. You said something yeah. earlier, brother, and 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 I I, I love it. And but I, I have a feeling few folks might be stirring. Okay, from from something you you started out saying. So I want to just unpack it because you said yeah. well everything has already happened. You know, it's already yeah. happened, and you know. Yeah. Pre- Predestiny, predestined, destined. We're living a predestined experience, so we're gonna have to break that down. Like, because some people might be thinking, so, "What? I'm just stuck. So it's already. You. What's the What's the point of all of this? So, <laughs> destined? Can I not? Can I not do anything, Panash? I'm just, I'm just screwed. I'm just, you know, I'm just asked. What, what's the deal? I mean, I hate my reality. I hate my situation, and this is yeah. the way it's meant to be. I know there's gonna be some people a little pissed off right now. So. You know, what do we do if, if let's say someone doesn't like the, their reality right now? I mean, yeah. can they shift it? Can they do anything? Or is it just their lot in life? So uh, the, here's the magic of this. So, And I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you in a very concrete way that everybody can access. So mm-hmm. uh, when I was born, uh, two priests in India who had never met me created my chart, my birth chart. And in that chart, Every single thing that's in that chart has happened and come true. And in that chart is also the day I'm going to die. And I won't read it. My mother read it. Uh, but I won't read it because I don't want to know. I, I like living the magical mystery mm. tour. 
as opposed to, you know, having insight into every single thing that's going to happen. Also, we have this tradition mm-hmm. in India of Nadi readers. So basically, you go to this village yeah. Yeah. and you tell them your name, your father's name, and if you know your grandfather's name, your grandfather's name, and they'll tell you your whole life. Okay? So how is mm-hmm. it that these things are possible? Because your life has to be recorded somewhere. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means we live in a multiverse. We live in an infinite universe. And that means that you have already occurred somewhere in all of this dream that we call life. (laughs) Now, for those of you that are upset by that, it's because right now you feel powerless in your experience of being human. And or you think that life should be some other way than it is. And I just want you to know with all the love that I have in my heart is that life will always win. Regardless of how much you want it to be another way than it is, or you want to be feeling some other way than you are, or to have some other experience than the one that's unfolding, and it's the nature of the mind to want what you don't have. Okay, so for example, when you're single, you want to be married. When you're married, you want to be single. You know, it's the nature of the mind. Okay, so how we navigate this thing is by looking at the whole thing holistically. We can't just look at it from through the lens of the individual self because at that point all we will be able to move toward will be our wants and needs or those things that we believe from that limited place of perception uh, are, are going to be impactful and make a difference and a really tangible example from my own life is that um, about five years ago uh, I found out that my daughter Celeste was going to be born oh. with a congenital heart defect an issue and mm. um, when Jan and I sat down, uh, we we were told that she probably wouldn't even make it through the pregnancy. If she did, then she'd probably need palliative care. Uh, and that wow. at some point, we would have to deal with the reality that she was going to die. And mm. Jan said, well, what should we do? And I said, well, you know what? We have to let her. This is her soul's journey. This is her destiny. We have to let her have her journey, whatever that is. Even if that means mm. that she's not going to be here anymore. She needs to come through for this experience. And we, as her parents, Mm. have to have the experience along with her. So uh, from the moment she was born, she was blue. Um, Within 12 hours Mm. of her being in the hospital, she had had her first surgery and had an external pacemaker. uh, And then subsequently went on this medical journey of 18 months where she was basically hospitalized. And in the course of that journey, we lost her for eight minutes at one point. Um, I went through my own questioning of the nature of reality and why things happen mm-hmm. in the way that we do because I couldn't reconcile that this was happening to a child. And mm-hmm. I found myself at one point in the midst of this on my knees in the chapel in the hospital. And I just let go because I realized that mm-hmm. holding on to an outcome for her was creating the experience yes. of suffering inside of me. And mm-hmm. I just put my hands up and I said, okay, God, if she's meant to die and that's her destiny, then I accept it. Whatever it is that is meant to be for her, I'm willing to accept it. And as soon as I was able to get to that place, I was able to find a place of peace inside of myself again. And I'm sharing this with you because whatever you're going through now, whether it's a divorce, a financial issue, an issue with your child, it can be a medical issue that you're going through, when you can actually get to a place of accepting where you are. I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm not saying that it's your lot in life. But what we have to do is at least get to a place where we're coherent and congruent with what is. Because that's where your power is. 
Your power comes from your peace. Your power comes from your, your harmony, your connection to yourself. That's where it comes from. And so in this moment, wherever you are, just put your hands up and just say, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I don't know how the next thing is going to unfold for me. But you know what? Whatever it is, I'm willing to accept it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'm willing to accept it. Because even though I can't understand it, I know that whatever is unfolding is unfolding for me to evolve beyond where I am now. And the very second you're able to make that pivot back into peace, all of a sudden, you'll begin to access the truth that I'm sharing with you. That, 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 you know, there's a quote from Alan Watts that I love, and he says, don't take seriously what the gods only created for fun. Like this reality, <laughs> this reality is a playground. It's an illusion. You it's know? a play. It's a play, you know? yeah. Exactly, yeah, sure. but but we're taking it seriously and we're identifying with the outcome of it. And and what I'm asking yeah. you to do is to hand whatever it is over to life, hand it over to existence, yeah. hand it over to something greater than you, and watch what happens. Uh, and and it's worked for me, and it's worked for countless people uh, all over the world. And and um, you know the the perfection of life and the ability to relax into the perfection of life doesn't happen overnight it can but it doesn't happen overnight sometimes you have to struggle and resist and try and have it be your way and you know try and have it be on your timeline and make something happen until eventually one day you realize that you know you can't miss what's meant for you <laughs> and and in that moment when you realize that you can't miss what's meant for you you relax into this flow state um it's a, it's a state of being that I uh, like samadhi, where we're just in union and connection. And from that flow state, you can see just the absolute perfection of how life is unfolding everywhere, not just for you, but for everyone. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Beautiful stuff, powerful stuff. Folks, as you're listening into this beautiful conversation with Panash, Panash Desai, author of You Are, the, you are Enough, uh, I just hope you're allowing your heart to receive, that you're listening, that your soul is digesting and listening to this conversation. So take a moment to just maybe feel what it is that maybe you've been resisting in life, relationship, work, within yourself, and just feel yourself just opening and uh, just come moving into a state of, okay, universe, I'm willing to accept this. Um, powerful. Uh, Panash, you know, you, you, you triggered a thought. Um, if you'd be open to, to, to sharing about this, I'm not sure if you talk about it much in your, in your events or you know, in your book or what have you, but um, you know, when I met you, uh, I, I was also privileged to meet Jan, and she just mm -hmm. what a, fell in love with her, just when I found a new sister in, 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 in this amazing woman. You know? And uh, I, was, I was really touched and inspired and fascinated by, you know, your, your relationship and the connection and, yeah. and you know you shared the, sto the story with me and you know it wasn't exactly like conventional and I loved it and so talk yeah. about surrender talk about acceptance talk about you know not planning it just it's just the unfolding of life and grace flowing to you know fulfill itself so I would if you're willing I would because I think it, it would really inspire a lot of people I would love for you to yeah. share a bit about you know 
you and the story of the Jan and how that came together and the age difference sure. and culture difference and all this. Like, how did it happen? Tell us a bit about that process. So and, uh, it, and, and it, I think there's some things people can unpack from, and learn from, from that. Because sometimes we have so many expectations of what we think our relationships are going to be and what we think it should be. And we have this list and, you know, we write the 17 points and we get so attached and we're told, hey, to manifest your soulmate, you've got to know it's got to be, you know. Anyway, share, share a bit about that story. So um, I was traveling at the time and I and, uh, was in Florida and nine days before I met Jan, uh, and I didn't know I was going to meet her, obviously, I had sworn off relationships and I uh, kind of put my hands up to the universe. Uh, and there's a common theme in my life. It typically uh, looks like me throwing my hands up to the sky and saying, okay, I get it, I'm yeah. done. Uh, and uh, so mm. I threw my hands up and I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm just going to be single and uh, just focus on why I'm here. And I get it. Like that's my that's that's why I'm here. I understand. Nine days later, uh, I get invited to speak at uh, an event in Naples, and I think it was about my second or third visit to Naples. And Jan walks in, mm. sits in the back, has this green um, trench coat on, thick frame glasses, and she's doing the opposite of what I'm asking everyone to do in the room. She's writing a <laughs> list, doesn't meditate, you know. When I said to everybody, I would please close your eyes. She's got her eyes open, just watching everything. I'm just like, who is this person? <laughs> so so uh, we get to the end of the program, and I always love to meet everyone that's come. And I said, so if you're new and you've never met before, come and say hi. And uh, mm. she's Minnesotan. And so Minnesotans, when they're uh, confronted by something uncomfortable, they head, for, head to the kitchen. Uh, and so mm. she ran to the kitchen. And I'm meeting everybody, and her friend that brought her dragged her over, and I looked in her eyes, and she just started crying. And mm. and I felt an amazing connection and just a remembrance of this amazing connection. However, I remembered mm. that nine days earlier, I'd sworn off relationships. And so mm. I'm like, oh, God, I'm being, I'm being tested. So, so, <laughs> so, so I just said to Jan, I said, listen, you know, um, let me just stay in touch with you. And I stayed in touch with her for about three months you know we were just friends and mm. i spoke to her and just made sure that she was okay and she was doing well and all of that and, and uh took the time to just cultivate a friendship and then after about three months um mm. you know it, it didn't make any sense on paper because jan's uh 21 years older than me and never met an indian yeah. she's from minnesota you know never had indian <laughs> food you know she, she doesn't know what yoga is i mean nothing right and so uh mm. devout catholic like she had jesus uh, and I, I felt like it was my shot at a normal life. And so three months um, uh, off in, into that friendship, I said, listen, you know what? Um, none of this makes any sense at all. Uh, how I feel about you hasn't changed at all. Would you be open to exploring this? And she said, yes. And so at that point, we officially <laughs> began a relationship. And two weeks into that <laughs> relationship window, I introduced it to my mom. And my mom... <laughs> Uh, has met every girlfriend I've ever had, and to their face, uh, to their face, my mom says to them, "Please enjoy your time with him, but just know you're not his final destination in life." Uh, <laughs> at which point, she leaves me with a lot of explaining to do, and subsequently ruins my love life uh, from that moment. <laughs> uh, and, and so my mom, so, so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to save myself some time, right? Let me introduce you to my mom. <laughs> And I introduced mm. to my mum. My mum says, oh, welcome to the family. We've been waiting for you. Wow. I'm like, what? Mm. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? 
welcome to the family. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, she's not spiritual, mm. doesn't do yoga, nothing. Never met an Indian, never had Indian mm. food. Nothing. I mean, the furthest thing ever that I would ever imagine my mom would say, you know, hey, welcome to the family, you know, is Jan. Mm. And uh, it turns out yeah. that my mom was right, you know, 13 years later, four kids, mm. you know, we're just, we're just falling more and more in love with each other every day. And, mm. and it's interesting because actually when Oprah asked me about, about my relationship, she said, oh, I, you know, I, I know that you're in a relationship with Jan and Jan's old. And you know, I said, yeah, well, love doesn't fit in a box, you know. It, it's no, because right. no. love happens at the level of the soul. It doesn't happen at any other level. And it, and it's a soul mm. remembering the soul. It's not it's not a mental connection. It's not uh, even an emotional connection. It's a soul level connection. And mm. what I would say to people is that, you know, first of all, we never know how that person's going to show up in our lives. Secondly, mm. uh, sometimes um, it happens in the most unexpected ways. And be open to the experience. Don't be so fixated on the form and your list of what they're supposed to look like and their characteristics and qualities mm. that you invalidate, you know, love. You know, don't don't have yeah. such a tight criteria for what love is. And, um, you know, a, a amazing journey we've had, you know. And uh, Jan's mm. become my partner in, in life and in, in parenting and at work and, you know, on every level. And she's a force of nature mm. you know so i'm i'm so mm. honored to to have her in my life and uh to be able to be on this journey with her and uh, so that that's mm. how we met it's it's um quite the quite the unfolding of destiny and yeah. um I against uh, just the never, the time yeah yeah you know you know i love what you said you never know how that person will show up you never know, and right. I think you never know how the, 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 you know, the universe is infinite, right? God is infinite. The divine is infinite. So I think many times we, we limit ourselves and we limit uh, how life can unfold with our own attachments and our ideas. So folks, if you're listening right. to the story right now, be open. Jan, if you're listening, we love you. But uh, it's amazing, oh. amazing. <laughs> how, how do you, Panache? How do you juggle it all? I think there's many folks listening in that that uh, might be curious. You said four kids is uh, is, is quite a, it's, it's a little clan there, and, and so you know you're, you're you're serving people in the world and speaking and writing and you know book touring now with you you are enough and wife and kids and how do you juggle it all? Stay sane, stay centered, you know, spiritual practice. I mean, what, is there a secret? What t tell me a bit about that. I used to be very um, focused on my purpose at the exclusion of all mm. other things because I, in some way, felt like my purpose was more important than everything else. And what mm. I've realized now is that everything is my purpose. Uh, it's yes. not just my sharing a message or writing books or sharing a gift or traveling the world and supporting people. It's all of it, that everything in life mm -hmm. uh, is happening uh, as a blessing for me. And that uh, actually when you let go of the boxes and the parameters, it's like all of the lines blur. And then you realize that there's mm -hmm. more than enough time for everything. Now, I'm blessed in the fact that I can work from home. Um, you know, I, I mm -hmm. see my kids every day um, apart from when mm -hmm. I'm traveling and then we'll FaceTime. You know, but, but the blessing is that everything in my life that needed to get rearranged or be adjusted or in some way uh, had to get 
kind of uh, brought into alignment, it's, it just happens mm -hmm. so that I can be available. And the, with my kids, it's very sweet because I'll survey them every day. So, you know, a lot of parents will say that they're doing everything for their kids, but they won't actually stop and ask their kids how they feel about it. And um, mm -hmm. so I, I literally survey them, you know, how did daddy do today out of 10? Oh, you seven today, Daddy. Hmm. Like, why only a seven? <laughs> oh, because you could have been a little bit harder on Celeste, Daddy. <laughs> and yeah. so, so, so I'm maintaining, I'm maintaining, yeah, so I'm maintaining like a seven and a half, eight ratio, which is a dad yeah. who's busy, who runs a business, travels the world and does everything. That's not bad. I'll take it, you know. <laughs> seven and a half, eight ratio, that's, that's a high customer satisfaction percentile. Yeah, so That's not bad at all. So, yeah, so we just have to we just have to understand that there are no limitations mm. and that mm. and that we can we we have the capacity to create life in the way that we need to. And what I would say to people is that it's the whole thing. Don't don't just think that it's about your work. Mm. You know, some people just get lost in their work and then they think, "Oh, this is the only reason why I'm here." And they devote all of their time to their work and they forget about all the other mm. things that are important as well. But it's all of it, and, and you have to give your attention to all of it as best as you can, you know, and it can all work together. That's why it's happening in your life, you know, because you've got what it takes to have it all happen together, right? You've got the right skills, you've got the right resources, the structure, the support that you need to have it all work together. That's why it's yours to do. It's yours to bring into this world. And so when you're ready to make that leap into parenting, ready to make that leap into relationship, ready to make that leap into success and make an impact or making a difference, just know that everything will be provided to you that you need. And and, and yes. uh, every single thing that is required for you to be able to be at your best will be delivered to you. And uh, it's been my experience. Uh, I'm grateful for it. And um, as they get older, actually, it's it's sweeter because they're all... Um, expressing more of their uniqueness and and uh, mm -hmm. it, it just becomes a deeper and richer um, experience, you know, as they get older and they want to know who their father is and what he does and, you know, what, what how he lives and how he creates and it's uh, really quite the magical journey. So don't... don't but I love uh, that you said... Mm -hmm. You know, everything, yeah. this, this, this quote you said, ev everything is my purpose. Beautiful. Right. I thought that was really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes we can do it like it's easy, right? When we're, when we're, when we have a calling, because you and I have a calling, we don't have a career, mm -hmm. right? So when you have a mm -hmm. calling, it's very easy to prioritize the calling above everything else, thinking that that gift that we have for speaking or writing or delivering in transmission or in energy is the sole focus of why we're here. But actually, it's all of it. <laughs> it's, it's every aspect of life. Life is why we are here. And that purpose yeah. is a part of it. But it isn't the sum total of all of it. Yeah. Powerful. Panache, this has been a powerful conversation and uh, I've loved every second of it. Um, final question, um, and then we'll definitely, you know, have you back again at some point on Soul Talk. But I, I love, you know, you've shared so much and so many nuggets of wisdom and practical points and and, and takeaways here. But I, I would love for you just to, as you reflect on your life and ups, downs, relationships, parenting, teaching, uh, insights. Uh, if if you were to pass on, let's say, three of the most important wisdoms that you feel you have learned in this lifetime 
that you feel would evolve the next generation the most? Let's say you were to pass these three key wisdoms to your kids, and uh, this could be the only three key lessons you would pass to your kids and the listeners. I'm just curious to distill, what, what would you say in terms of three, three keys, three key wisdoms? I think the first thing is that you're only ever as limited as you allow yourself to be. So you never, ever have to be defined by society or by the expectations or roles and responsibilities of others. Uh, the, the second part of you is that no part of you is a mistake, uh, that actually every part of you originates from love. And when you can actually embrace every part of you with love, you find a sense of freedom uh, and peace and bliss inside uh, that most people will never be able to access. So I'm hoping that through relaxing into the truth that no part of you is a mistake, you're able to start to access that peace and live from that place of connection. And then finally, have fun. You know, I, I think that more and more, like, I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, and, I, and I'm having a lot of fun because I've realized that sometimes we take this whole working on ourselves thing too seriously. And it becomes all-consuming. And uh, at some point, it's like we have to realize that the self that we're working on uh, doesn't need to be worked mm -hmm. on. Uh, it just yeah. needs to be observed and it just needs to be accepted mm -hmm. and embraced because um, all of that time, effort and energy that we're putting into working on this part of us that we believe is limited uh, is happening because we're excluding it from love. We're excluding it from uh, possibility. We're excluding it from um, who we are. And the very second that we can end that aversion to these different aspects of us, the more we become integrated and the more we become uh, self-actualized and the more we're able to allow uh, ourselves to navigate from authenticity in every moment. And so have fun, you know, holy cow, like time's the only real commodity. And so if time's the only real commodity, then, you know, how are we spending our time, you know, fighting for outcomes and and pushing for things and striving for things, that's all the old paradigm. You know, at some point we have to relax and understand that life is on our side and that, you know, we don't have to exist in a perpetual state of survival. So have the courage to embrace who you are completely and to live from that place. And I think those are the three things that I would share at this point are the most important things that I've personally gleaned from 41 years of being a human being. Amazing. Dennis, could you assign uh, those listening in uh, one simple, let's say, practical uh, step, homework assignment? So something that they could immediately do right now to, I mean, there's, there's no limit to what you can say. So if there's anything as a step so that they can implement what you've said in their lives, um, I would love a homework assignment for those listening in. I would like to issue a challenge. So for yes, the next 21 days, I would like you to accept yourself uh, mm -hmm. in every moment, however you're showing up. I would like you to mm -hmm. accept how you are as you are in every moment. And I would like you to do this for 21 days. And mm -hmm. in that acceptance of self, you're going to experience so much profound transformation that uh, all of a sudden you're going to be able to move into a deeper place of trust and surrender than you ever could have before. So for 21 days, love and accept everything, your thoughts, your feelings, 
your body, everything, life circumstances, situations, to smile, relax, and breathe, mm-hmm. and welcome it all. Welcome it all, and then mm-hmm. witness what happens. Amazing. Folks, you heard it. The homework assignment, the challenge has been issued. For the next 21 days, accept yourself, love and accept yourself as you are in every moment, all aspects of yourself. Powerful. I'd also love for you to uh, all email me, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. Let me know how you enjoyed today's episode. I would love for you to share it with your friends, with your family. It's been a powerful episode with uh, the amazing Panash Desai, author of You Are Enough. Make sure you check out his book. Go to Amazon, your bookstores, local you know, retailers. Uh, spread the word about uh, this episode, his new book. Um, Panash, what's the best way people can, you know, find out about you, your message? I know your book is out now. Tell us a bit about how people can connect with you and your book and all of that good stuff. So you, the best way is to head over to the website, uh, which is panashdesai.com, which is P-A-N-A-C-H-E-D-E-S-A-I.com. And everything's there. Uh, actually, it's how I keep track of myself because there's so much going on now. It's like I can't even I can't even keep up. So check out the calendar. Uh, all the information for the book is there. There's a great bonus with the book as well uh, that you can access if you purchase the book. So so just stay connected. I'm also on um, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So just look for me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the usual social media um, platforms. And uh, I look forward to meeting you all in person at some point soon. Um, just know that you're enough. Know that you are not the problem, you're the solution. Uh, and then actually, mm. I've been waiting for you my whole life. I can't wait to meet you in person. Mm. Powerful, Panash. I love you, brother. Thank you for just sharing who you are with us all today. You, you're definitely, uh, you've been a blessing to everyone listening. Folks, uh, I told you this was going to be an amazing episode. Uh, we'll put all of the uh, the links to, to Panache's websites, uh, com, in the show notes. Again, check out his book, You Are Enough. Uh, if you're listening to, as you're listening to this episode, uh, if you, I'm going to do something, folks. If you purchase his book also, I mean, I'm so in love with this beautiful human being. I think he's such a, a genuine soul. And so I definitely want you to experience him, experience his work, experience his book. For those of you that purchase, you are enough. Uh, just email me, Cooplaxon at Cooplaxon.com. I will gift you uh, um, uh, my course, Living the Miraculous Life, as, a, as just another bonus and support for your journey. And uh, let me know how you enjoyed this episode. And until next week, folks, love now. Big hugs, everyone. Much love. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.